0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep,
1: Suplex, Retweet. Rival. Rivals. That is what we are dealing with here. Six years ago, NXT took over the WWE Network NXT TakeOver Rival. And what other panel would be perfect for this type of show than a panel of rivals? Before I get to them, hi me david campbell here lovely to see you all go and check out everything that we have on this network the feature shows as you're currently listening to and central where we run down the week that was in wrestling go over to our youtube channel our YouTube channel you can check out the Book it Tournament you can check out the Conspiracy Theory you can check out Quiz Showdown uh, don't forget the other shows in the network Saturday Draft Live an amazing show East meets West also a fantastic show um, and go check us out social media Twitter, Facebook Instagram and our newly coming Bebo account uh, which will be up and running <laughs> very very soon like I said in the intro, we do have some epic rivalries on the panel today. First up is a man who, we got our own video package and it doesn't get much bigger a rivalry than that. It is Mr. Scott McLeod. Scott, how are you doing?
2: Oh uh, yes, the this generation's my way, so it was. I <laughs> Biscuit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we needed some Limp biscuit. Dan did a pretty good job except for the one biscuit. Yeah, more than a pretty good job, an amazing job, but we needed more Biscuit. biscuit. Uh, next up, speaking of rivalries, this, this uh, competitor cashed in her spare change in the tin on Scott McLeod on his birthday. <laughs> if that's not a rivalry, the dawn of a, a serious, serious blood feud. I don't know what it is, it is Miss C. Grieve. How are you?
3: I'm doing very well, thank you. And how are you today, David?
1: I am wonderful and I'm loving your reversible octopus that you have there. It's a very happy face right now.
3: He is a very happy face and I think um yeah, I think me and him make a good pairing. He's copper. And
1: Percy. next up is um Hi Percy. Hello Percy. Percy is also on the panel. And next up is a man who I'm currently tied with neck and neck for the most the number of Sleep Super Luxury to eat Championships that we possess. Uh, this is a journey of the tale as old as time, the same as Beauty and the Beast. He seems to have questioned what I've just said, but nonetheless, his name is Mr. David Haldney. I believe I've got more titles than you. Uh, I don't think that's true. Who's no, no. I'm sitting on eight. I'm
0: sitting on eight at <laughs> the minute. You're, I think you're on six
2: it's all irrelevant you're all behind
0: me the only the only only undisputed fact that is and I know we're talking about NXT and this was before Undisputed Era showed up on the scene but the undisputed fact is I am still the reigning defending ESSR champion at time of recording
1: (laughs) boo boo this man
2: this is
1: Percy 2.0 Percy's Percy's not happy David it's not David you are on 8 I'm on 7 but as this show comes out after the rumble and I'm going to win the sweep there I just you know (laughs) (laughs) I made sure things were consistent for the release order anyway we're we're talking about NXT TakeOver rival back in 2016 Uh, first off I'm going to come to Sarah Sarah you've been a fan of NXT for the longest time as Billy Joe would say Um, what are what are your memories of this period of this time in NXT history
3: oh I mean the things that I can remember is the fact that they were pushing Baron Corbin to the moon Mm-hmm. Like of being like this really really badass person, which obviously he kind of lost. He kind of lost in the years after that. But uh, I mean, it's just it's a good old full sale pay per views. I mean, they weren't even deemed pay per views. It was just you know I want to showcase this talent, and that's exactly what they were doing. I mean, my boy Finn Balor had mm-hmm. like basically just come in at this time. Um, yeah. Or not even too long ago, um, and the fact that like Hideo Itami was meant to get pushed to the moon, and this is before his injury as well. So it feels very strange calling him Hideo Itami. <laughs> <laughs> and I,
1: yeah, it's so strange. It is mental. And, and Scott, I do have to say, a theme that I think we'll be running through this podcast is that this is NXT, like on the very precipice, like just before they exploded into becoming like the third brand of WWE wouldn't you agree
2: yeah definitely I think when they start regularly doing uh, takeovers out of Full Sail even though Full Sail had a really good atmosphere they started doing like being part of the big four pay-per-views and being in actual arenas that's when I think they really exploded and it's interesting for me because I've only seen this show twice before including the time I watched it for this show never seen it at the time some reason early 2015 I took a, week, a brief couple month break from NXT for whatever reason. I still knew what was going on because I was watching the main roster and uh, Kevin Owen showed up to fight John Cena uh, but I tuned back in ran a bit to take over Brooklyn and not that much had changed. I still kept up with everything but it's, it's, it still was like a hot beer. I'm glad I jumped back on just as things were taking off.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think Dave, this is truly a it's truly a change in the garden, NXT. Like you'll see from the position on the card, people who might have been higher previously are no longer up there. The the, the usual, the regular suspects are being used more to put over new people. Like this is a transitional period in NXT's history uh, at Rival here.
0: Yeah, massively. Like when you look back on the card and when it was recorded, you, you almost have to take a moment to realize that this was the year that we got that excellent match between John Cena and Kevin Owens at Elimination Chamber and it was the same year that the well that Stephanie McMahon announced the women's revolution Uh, of course she does Uh, when you know Charlotte, Sasha and Becky all went up to uh, in that sort of big faction warfare with the Bella Twins and Alicia Fox Naomi etc so um, I think this was sort of the the last big hurrah uh, takeover for quite a lot of talent who would be heavily featured on the like Raw and Smackdown uh, for future shows, but yeah, you're absolutely right. This was a transitional period. This was a changing of the guard, passing from, you know, superstars that have become so prominent on Raw and SmackDown these days, and it was bringing in that fresh batch of talent that you know have, made, have put on some of the best takeovers we've seen in years. Yeah,
1: and we'll, 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 we've touched on it, but Sarah, obviously, this takes place at full sail, right? Maybe near the height of where that audience was at its you peak. You know, that audience was hot there mm-hmm. and loyal every week to this brand like how do you think uh, this full sale audience contributed to this show specifically?
3: I think it, it did play a big massive part in it because like you said it's a loyal fan base they've been on that journey so it's not like you're a casual fan just tuning in just because and um, they've been through the journey they know who they're rooting for and they're not obviously you're not going to change their minds um, especially like mm-hmm. when you got like the red hot baby faces and the people that are meant to be like the heels and stories going into it, because there is a story for every single match. So mm. I think like the the actual people in attendance, which was about four hundred and odd people, which it seems next to nothing when you think about it for like a WWE branded show. Yeah, um, but it it played a massive part like see if they like if they tried to do that now with like no crowds yeah. It it's like you're lucky that we can actually like do that sort of stuff and it kind of it kind of <laughs> makes you a little bit sad as well because you're yeah. like at least like this pandemic wasn't happening back then because this might have actually affected a whole bunch of things because like Dave said this is like before like the big boom of them being like the third brand, this was them still technically deemed as developmental.
1: Yeah, totally, and uh, there's other things that permeate throughout the whole show I want to touch on before we get into the matches specifically. One of those things, Scott, is the commentary team for this show, um, I want to get your thoughts overall on the job you think they did. It was Rich Brennan, it was Cody Graves, uh, wee baby Corey Graves. Yeah, wee baby commentary Cody Graves, how cute. Uh, and then we have, um they call him, Albert? He's uh, Matt Bloom, Matt Bloom yeah. he's, he's, he's Lord Tensai, he's A-Train, um, <laughs> he has a man of many names. Uh, what did you think of the, the commentary team overall for this event?
2: He's had more names and more times than you've came back to SSR, David. <laughs> <laughs> I've
1: left once,
2: I left once, So like, give me a break. Once, twice, three times. Three
1: times a lady. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a decent team, you know, I remember Rich Bren mainly because like He's had a few moments where they've been included in sound bites and video packages that have been used to show like best moments in the history of NXT but he's just want he fits in that weird character of just like indifferent play by play guys like diet Michael Cole's that they've gotten in over here, like your Todd Christmas and all that. Uh I think Todd Phillips kinda fits into there, but Todd Phillips does it a lot better, so he's kind of a, a less good Tom Phillips. Corey Graves was coming to so when he was really taking advantage of the uh the role he was he's coming because he's not long retired at this point. And Albert, he was okay. I think it was, I get why they had him on because he was one of the head trainers at PC, so he has a relationship with a lot of the people involved and he's watched their progress. So having his like point of view, I think, was a decent uh, point of view to have.
1: See, to be honest, I think I'm a bit more negative on it, but before I reveal what I think, like, Dave, do you agree with Scott on the commentary team? To be honest i actually didn't know that rich Brennan was on the commentary
0: team until i actually went back and watched the event that, that's how forgettable he was <laughs> but i knew by that point you know corey graves had just sort of settled into his commentary role and he took it like uh, like a fish to water he was so he just felt so natural on the on the headset same goes for for matt bloom because obviously these guys you know they train with the superstars like in the performance center obviously matt bloom was a was a coach at the time and I actually think those two, who were meant to be the sort of um, supporting commentators, you know, the sort of uh, the colour commentators, whereas Rich Brennan was yeah. more the play-by-play, I actually think they could have just called that show on their own. Like, they, they, Rich Brennan was just a bit of a third wheel for commentary in this case.
1: Here's what I'll say, Rich Brennan is, is, you know, we've used this expression, Scott likes to use it a lot, as well as dry toast, he's dry toast with no butter. You know, he is, he is a man who... <laughs> yeah he would he would not quench my first at all you know there's there's nothing about him that gets me there was a line that really irritated me where he was like oh the, if he wins it'll be a bigger surprise than john stewart quitting the daily show for one that dates the show <laughs> uh, because how, how long ago was john stewart bloody relevant uh, and two i'm like you're not my role. stop with these wee pop culture references you charlatan uh <laughs> graves i thought wow well, graves good. i thought wow, well, you know, Graves was good, but one thing he kept doing throughout the show was being critical of the wrestlers. He kept saying, oh, they're giving their opponent time to recover, oh, he's mm-hmm. giving him too much time to recover. Oh, do you think she's giving her too much time to recover? Graves, get a grip. Like, it's just though he way to see. Do you know the reason for NXT's fast-paced style? It's because Cody Graves got himself in commentary <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, we better not let him criticize the fact that we're taking five seconds to get to a cover. You know, <laughs> what I mean, like, give me a break. I
0: mean, he was quite critical of the tag team match as well. Except there was a cover Couple of points where he's like, you know, I think Murphy gets gets his head driven into the mat, and he said like, Kalisto, why are you not covering him? me he's basically just had his neck planted, and he's he's out of yeah. town.
1: And then don't get me started on Albert. Like the one good thing Graves was doing was trying to form that Biden relationship that him and Biden did so well over the years. Years later with Albert and Albert could not come up with a reply to save his life he was like oh he's just sort of laughing oh maybe you're right he was, oh, shut up albert there's no commentator and uh, so you guys are a bit more positive on it uh, to be honest the commentary went down the show a bit for me which is why i brought it up uh, and i will say it's not a, it, for myself it's not an overly positive show i think it, um, in my opinion mm. it's a show of two halves mm. um which I do think the second half is better than the first, but we will talk about the first match. It is Hideo Itami versus Tyler Breeze. It's, Sarah, just going into this match, uh, when you've seen this on the docket, two names that have obviously had very divergent career paths from this point. What were you excited to watch this match again?
3: I mean, yes, because it's you know Hideo Itami. um I, I I don't like calling them that now. Um, <laughs> And obviously taking on Tyler Breeze, there was a there was a slight reasoning for that match to happen. Um, I mean, given the fact it was the fact, what the storyline was, they were opponents in the first round of the number one contender tournament. Yep. Dayo Tammy beat Tyler Breeze and then lost to Finn Balor, and Tyler Breeze mm-hmm. was like, "I would have beaten him. You screwed up your chance." And you're like. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have beaten Finn Balor, honey, no you wouldn't. <laughs> um But the actual match itself, like I love the day of Tamika Kenta. Um and I love Tyler Breeze, like back at this when he was like the supermodel and like he had the selfie stick and that was the first like introduction. And Yeah, it was introduction
1: the selfie stick here as well. Yeah, right, yeah.
0: did a fan jump him during his entrance as well? Or a fan, quote unquote.
3: Funny enough, when me and Dan were watching it, we think it was Live we think it was Love Morgan. Awesome. So that's what we think actually like technically made our TV debut. <laughs> um but it was nice. It, nice. that entrance really played into like the whole thing about it. Um so yeah. I, I I I loved it and it was the fact that you were possibly gonna get go to sleep even though like we all know that people are like oh it's CM Punk's move but it's like no he borrowed it from Kenta. It is Kenta's move.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I love it, I I love it.
3: It is Kenta's move but you know that as soon as he was going to go to hit it they were going to possibly start the whole CM Punk thing so instead of that he did his you know shotgun kick
1: which is even better. It's a good move, it's a good move Scott Mm -hmm. I do have to say it's a a decent match this but Something about Hideo Itami slash Kenta in NXT never quite clicked for me. Like, this is the period where, you know, he should have been fighting in all cylinders, I think. And I think there was maybe something about his presentation uh, that was a bit off for me in NXT.
2: Yeah, I think, also the name change as well. They they like doing that when Mm -hmm. people came in, like, try and brand them, make it their own. And, yeah, the fact he wasn't doing the GTS, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he came in the same year, Punk left. And even mm-hmm. though he'd invented it, they probably figured a lot of people would uh, associate that move with punk because it took him yeah. until 2017 to actually hit it. And like, you see mm-hmm. the crowd, everybody in the hard cam side stands up because they think the GTS is going to happen, mm-hmm. but then Breeze fights out of it. I'm kind annoyed that Sarah brought the Liv Morgan thing. I was going to be the smart arse. In- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sorry, no, you can blame Dan for pointing that out to me because it was him being a big brain going, that was Liv Morgan. Yeah. I didn't know who it was. <laughs>
2: But actually, watching a time in the match, how the speed that he moves around the ring, I think compare compare that to a more methodical pace in his matches currently in New Japan. I think partly that's probably part because now he's a heel in Japan, and also the number of injuries that he occurred like mm. uh, during his time in WWE has probably slowing down a little bit. Even though he's still a phenomenal wrestler, but yeah, I think he was on the precipice of being something, but injuries did slow him down. And mm. because you know, like after this, he goes into the Andre Battle Royal, and they make a big deal of that he was in the Andre Val you know, he didn't do anything. So the, <laughs> they still had plans where I'm pretty sure he was maybe get that spot with the NXT title win at and East. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's the thing. I think um, they had plans for the time I mean, never quite paid off, but for me, it still never quite clicked. Someone, you know, the last NXT re- re- almost back to the future review we did, Dave, uh, I l- was very... Very, very positive on Tyler Breeze. Now, I don't think he's as good <laughs> yeah, just a here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not, you know, the feud, like Cedar said, is a bit of a thinly built feud coming into it. But it just shows how much faith... Uh, the, the brass at NXT had in Tyler Breeze to once again put him in an important match on the card, put him in the opening match, and trust him to get over the guy that they were going to push to the moon after this. Mm. Yeah, that, that's been the
0: formula for NXT for quite a while. They always like to start with a strong opening match, and you know Tyler Breeze was a, a safe pair of hands, you know, to get the crowd, get the get the show rolling. But I have to agree in the fact that I think it was a bit, it was a little bit underwhelming from what I from mm. what I watched. I mean, the match only lasted like just, just over eight minutes. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, Breeze was in control for most of the time. Like there was obviously lots of spots where Breeze was targeting Itami's leg. You know, I think there was a mm-hmm. spot where he did a bit of a, a knee injury angle and he did the figure four around the ring post. I, it was a very sort of mm-hmm. ground-based sort of submission style match only with a, a big um, final flash towards the end where uh, Itami gets in a few few good hits, a hesitation drop kick in the corner and then finishes off with a shotgun kick. So it was almost like, uh, we've said this argument before, it almost felt like a, an AJ Styles WWE Championship match. You expect it to sort of put out a lot more, but and it sort of ends abruptly before you really sort of get into the rhythm of it. But, it's interesting. It's interesting and, when, you and, when you, yeah, and when you look back on it, you think, you know what? I mean, It wasn't really that great all things considered i mean match quality was was fine you know these guys you know put on a very very solid match but it's not like i think we're so accustomed to seeing timeless classics you know with guys from new japan and the you know
1: the, the fresh talent of nxt but this this to me was just a little bit underwhelming here's a question for you take it to the present day which would be more of a success if it was to happen tomorrow? Kenta comes back to NXT, or Tyler Breeze goes over to New Japan Pro Wrestling? Sarah, start with you.
3: You might not have Tyler Breeze getting over and being like the champion?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not he's an option. <laughs> one,
3: he's one I actually really wished got the title at one point. Yeah. Like, I was quite disappointed that he never. Um, but I would say, see if Tyler Breeze was to go over to New Japan, he can, you know, have a wee flamboyant um, dance with Juice Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> they that be sounds fla- like fun. They can be flamboyant together.
2: <laughs> Scott? I'm going to say Kenta kind of coming back to NXT because mm-hmm. I think you'll have more of a point to prove and also I've seen more of Kenta both in and out of WWE where I haven't seen enough what Tyler Breeze was like out of WWE to really judge how he would fare mm-hmm. someone like in Japan.
1: Fair. And Dave?
0: Yeah, I agree with Scott. Kent at NXT. Like, he has competed for the NXT title before, and he's just come up short against I think it was Bobby Roode he went up against. But if he came back now, he would make a very credible NXT North American champion. Fair enough. I will say just to
1: get oh angry, oh he's angry <laughs> Percy's not happy. Well, Percy is not happy. I will say this, that um Sarah brings a good point about uh, uh, Breeze being an NXT champion at some point. I don't think that needed to happen. I do think he would have been the perfect IC champ. He would have been your your new Miz for years to come, uh, in my opinion. You know, he would have been the next, like, person you associated that title with like writing the cards, but not to be, not to be. Anyway, we move on to what is clearly I won't mince my words here, clearly the absolute drizzling shits match of this card <laughs> uh, it is Baron Corbin versus Bill Dempsey. Uh, I don't mind both guys, to be honest with you. It's just a bad match. Sarah, Sarah am, I, am I being unfair when I say that?
3: No, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, because this is, this comes after a time where they count how long it takes Baron Corbin to like finish off a match for the end of days. I mean, Bill Dempsey was very, very underwhelming in NXT. Like I didn't really think there was a reason for him to even be there. I think they just sort of had him like as that enhancement talent. Um, And yeah, all it was was Dempsey like basically cheating Baron Corbin out of a win. Can't mind who he was facing.
1: um it was a it was balor i think it was balor
3: oh it's a balor mm. all right oh yeah um so yeah i i don't like bill dempsey percy gives it a sad face
1: too <laughs> <laughs> i can't i don't have percy any words apart angry. from sorry uh, <laughs> it was uh, angry it was adrian, face it was adrian neville he cost the match against sorry uh, oh, scott i need right, to yeah. I need to come to you here, uh, I think this match can be summed up by Baron Corbin attempting a cactus clothesline only for him to go over the top rope, not taking <laughs> Bull with him and Bill then subsequently throwing himself over the top rope, to which the Full Sail crowd chants, you fucked up. Not exactly uh, what you associate with your NXT brand of wrestling.
2: Yeah, I remember how they were building this at the time because they were the two guys who had went for we well undefeated, un- <sighs> and the fact that there was no dq was a big deal as well because mm. like they didn't often do commit matches and nxt at that point you know it took the majors to do a cage match or a ladder match and they felt like big deals it. this was like the wrestling brand so mm. like i know what they were going for they were hoping for a big biggie special you know the two big men slapping meat you know fans chatting for we want tables and never even got <laughs> like, barely even got a chair involved like Baron Corbin botches that uh, end of days on Bill the when he tries down with a chair and fans boo because he <laughs> dropped the chair and it wasn't used. And well, the most surprising thing for me is when Corbin comes out, people pop for Baron <laughs> Corbin. This is when Baron Corbin was still <laughs> interesting to people and he's used in for a thousand years apiece.
1: Nah, nah don't get into the positives yet, Scott. I've still got some negatives to go through. Uh, Dave, <laughs> Scott, <laughs> Scott touches on it there. This was a no-DQ match. With literally nothing <laughs> that, that justified
0: an ODQ stipulation. Honestly, this could have just been a normal match, and you wouldn't have noticed the difference. Like, you know, yeah, obviously have Bull uh, grabbing the steel chair, but the fact he didn't hit it as well—that it wouldn't have been any cause for a disqualification. Win anyway. Like this, this match was just mm. a, a gargantuan waste of time. Like, and it only—and it didn't even last five minutes. It was that quick. Like, obviously, Corbin runs to the runs to the ring. You know, they hit, they batter lumps of each other. And, you know, that's the extent of it. They do have one spot, you know, where I think they they landed on the steel ramp, but that clothesline botch over the top. I think it was actually Bill that went to the clothesline, but he went over the top himself and Corbin sort of just had to force himself over. It was, nah, it was the other way around. It was it was, it was it was Corbin went for it and Bill forced himself down. Oh, gosh, you, like, you see, that's how bad it was. It was it was absolutely awful. But I suppose this was that time where Baron Corbin wasn't exactly known for his in-ring ability you know he was more he got a reaction because he was a very good heel character and his entrance was pretty badass too with the the, the spotlights and they're fading out and then he had the old lone wolf entrance too it was i think that was the yeah. only good thing about him but honestly you could have just used this as a toilet break match it was it was
1: awful i will say this Sarah. You know, dave brings up a good point that this in said it as well corbin was over in NXT. The NXT crowd liked Corbin. Why do you think that was? Was it because he was unlike anything else that was on the brand at the time? Was it because he had a really he did have a legitimately cool look? Like what's and how would you compare it to how he's presented now? Do you think it's better or worse than it was back then?
3: I mean see his music before King of the Ring best Mm -hmm. music ever. Like if they maybe introduced that music with his lone wolf character I mean I think he, he had a different look uh, and he, he did to come across legitimately as an arsehole which hmm. again but he was beating up people that maybe weren't as over as well yeah. Um, and you know what sometimes wrestling fans are like they'll like whatever they want to like just to spite other people Um, yeah. even if they're not meant to like it they'll go out of their way to go no no we like this we like this, Mm. you know it's 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 little things like that and i think that's probably what got him over was the fact that he was interacting with the fans as well like trying to cut promos or anything and they were they were just sort of being fed it i suppose in a way i mean you tend to always find it funnier like you see it at like icw shows and such like i'll use that as an example that if someone's trying to cut a promo and then you get people like yelling in the ring to them and then they stop mm. their promo to then break character you find it a little bit funny and it it sort of I'm not even I can't even remember the word that I'm trying to do but it coaxes them on to do more
1: yeah yeah so
3: that that's kind of I think what's what got them over but then again like Deep Six and End of Days badass moves loved them absolutely loved them
2: yeah, Scott, did you have something to add to that there? Yeah, the thing about Baron Corbin is, yeah, I, I said to you this is before he was feuds with going for ages. He's, he called this a, a transitional period. I think matches like this kind of show that because this is before Baron Corbin would go on to face his greatest rival, uh, his own hairline, mm. which mm. is a battle he would fight for many years and then lose. I know the struggle.
1: <laughs> 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 and the thing is, Dave, we're talking about Corbin. Um, Bull Dempsey has an interesting legacy you know in nxt he was a bit of a big name for a while down there mm-hmm. after this sort of fades away he had the bull fit gimmick um and then eventually released uh, in february of 2016.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: um so really not a not a you know shining legacy in the end what do you think went wrong for bull dempsey um i'm not really sure because i
0: I only really started watching nxt properly from about 2016 onwards anyway so mm. it'd be a bit difficult to really capture you know what he was like uh, you know sort of when they started filming at full sale but if yeah. i was basing it on this match alone i figured he was just another another big man with little build and not a very strong character you know i think his character was he was just another big guy and yeah if, if i had to judge his performance on this match alone it would have been pretty poor and i'm not surprised they actually let go of them a year after because nxt's most of nxt's better matches are usually better with smaller guys and smaller leaner guys the ones that you know they've got the stamina they've got they can pull they can pull off some high flying stuff as well as technical prowess and bull dempsey i just don't think he was
1: made for the nxt brand i think that NXT needs to learn their lessons and look to the past with the likes of Bronson Reed because I think he could be set for a very similar path uh, if they're not too careful with him because I don't think that he has uh, much of a gimmick going for him. I think he could go down a similar path with Bill Dempsey. Looking back at this, that was a thought that came to mind. Another thought that came to mind was how strange it was to see uh, Murphy uh, at this time, considering you know he's done nothing for me in this later TV season of the draft uh, time of recording, what a waste! What an absolute waste! But he was champion with Le- Leslie Blake at this point, um, pre Alexa Bliss joining them, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, mm-hmm. a forgotten son indeed. Um, but <laughs> they were taking on uh, the Lucha Dragons, not the Lucha House Party, as I, I, I first, you know, immediately have become conditioned to thinking whenever I hear that music. <laughs> uh, it was Sin Cara and Kalisto. Um Scott, you touched on it uh, when we were talking about the Coventry team. Corey Graves and the Coventry team did not seem to be fans of this tag team match. I know,
2: they don't, they don't seem to be familiar with the concept of selling. <laughs> 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 okay. mm-hmm. And you did have to try and like tune out to best enjoy this this tag team match. and I think when Blake and Murphy came in, it was very really weird to know what to make of them because kind of, they did come in out of nowhere. Yeah. And they came in the shot team, they've kind of become that, ironically, I a forgotten team given that mm-hmm. not long after this, this is when the tag team division would really take it off with the influx of the, the Dusty Classic yeah. and DIY, uh, American Alpha, the Revival, and people like that. And so, mm-hmm. guys like that kind of get left to side. I thought it was interesting, was like I thought, Oh yeah, I remember this was a good period for thinker and I know, he wasn't botching as much. Watches like one of his first moves in the match and then <laughs> God, he always really falls on his ass when he like slips kind of going for a move over the top.
1: Yeah. And I
2: love, I love how Green tries went, to justify the first spot and she's like,
1: Oh what a reversal uh, from Leslie. Uh, I'm like, We all see what happened. Come on.
2: do like they said uh, oh, Sin Cara, he's actually been having some things like this away from Cleisto on main event and Superstars. And ironically, a year later, they look at Cleisto and thought, this is the next famous year, and they try to put the US belt on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, put
1: him in fucking matches with Ryback, back, didn't they? At one point, I, as w- well. I don't
2: know, Del do Rio as well, yeah.
1: Oh, God, this is giving me strength. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> Dave, we'll, <laughs> we'll come to you. Like, this was, you know, I, I, we're slagging it here, but we're about to have the first Dusty Classic. Uh, coming up not too long in the future NXT this was really before the tag team division was going to be set alight but Blake and Murphy were a bright spot of this period like Scott was saying like they were an impressive tag team at a time where NXT wasn't necessarily known for its tag team wrestling should their legacy perhaps be bigger than people speak about it yeah I agree like Blake and Murphy when you look back at them you know
0: uh, look back at them on this event You'd be amazed that you know they never made it as far as you know twenty sixteen. Obviously, Murphy went to two hundred five live, and uh, Murphy, oh sorry, Blake was forgotten about literally. Um, yeah. yeah, I honestly think these guys were vastly underused as a as a tag team going forward, and because they have such good chemistry with each other right from their entrance and to the way they sort of. Um, gelled with each other in the ring like Murphy on his own is extremely talented but I think with when he's teaming with Blake he's just as effective the Lucha Dragons you know they were the ones to defeat the Ascension so you thought okay maybe these guys are actually doing pretty well together but this match was a bit of a letdown uh, when when trying to you know have some faith in the Lucha Dragons to pull off a good match but obviously the Botch curse was still hanging over them uh, there were a couple of spots that really just upset the flow of the entire match and I think that also hurt Blake and Murphy unintentionally as well. Because you know, like I said, you know, the way that they're in sync with each other, they could have easily pulled off, you know, a tag team match to remember. And I was quite hopeful, you know, like this is be the point where the event starts to pick up, but
1: I was left yeah. just as underwhelmed as I was with the opening match. Let's say uh, let's play a fun game. Let's play a fun game. Mm-hmm. We're gonna play the game Wesley uh, Wesley and uh, what the what, what Why am I calling them Wesley? What am I doing? <laughs> Blake and Murphy. <laughs> Let's play the game. Blake and Murphy, better or worse? We're going to see where they rank overall in the the list of NXT champions. So, uh, Blake and Murphy, better or worse than British ambition? Better. <laughs> better or worse than the Wyatt family? Worse. Worse. Better or worse than Neville and Graves? Better. Better. Scott's torn. <laughs> better or worse than the Ascension? Worse.
3: Well, worse
2: lately. Worse? Lately? Because, like, only reason Ascension were too so dominant is like, again yeah, they had no teams.
3: Yeah.
1: Fair, fair, and better or worse than the Witcher Dragons? Better. Yeah. Fair. So, you know, we've pretty definitively said that they were one of the better tag teams champions at, at this point at in NXT time, history.
3: Yeah.
1: At, at the time. time, yeah. time it I'm was not going to see. I'm it. not going to see Blake and better or worse
3: than DIY. Hey, never. <laughs> oh, no, no,
0: no, 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 Works, works. Don't,
3: don't, don't. Just don't mention that word to me. Yeah. DIY.
1: Tampa <laughs> Gargano. For <laughs> real. <Betrayal? laughs> Hearts.
3: Chrome Hearts. You've Maybe. only gone and done it now,
4: dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Roll man. the credits.
0: Oh, I, ups- I, ups- I upset Percy again.
1: <laughs> anyway, we're going to put the both watermark been- on this show. We're going to both put both the watermark you- on this show, and Percy's going to attack us. Uh,
4: <laughs>
2: uh,
3: it's a pandemic. It's, it's social distance. he so will whack you with his tentacles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dave killed one
2: of our
1: birthdays. Andy hides in the toilet. Uh, but Dave removed. <laughs> 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 well, I said bet, this but... was a show I said this was a show of two halves uh, and we're finally getting to the better half of the show mm. and Finn Balor versus Adrian Neville really sets the tone for what we think of when we think of an NXT brand of wrestling doesn't
4: it? Mm.
0: Like you know the, the demons brought out again as well you know it's when the demon comes out it's going to be an awesome match and I think this was a time you know Balor brought out the demon for takeover appearances or sort of big big matches he didn't just bring out you know as in when he needed it like, he was always Finn Balor on NXT TV, but uh, obviously this was a, an important match, so he had to bring the demon out. And Neville at this point, you know, he was fighting to become NXT champion again because he lost to Sami Zayn in the prior. But I believe this was Neville's actually farewell NXT match before moving to moving to Raw. Because I remember at Elimination Chamber that year, he actually went to face Bo Dallas. And, and, the, yeah. fans were, and the fans were saying, thank you, Neville, afterwards. It's like, I don't think yeah. he, he finished that he finished his time on NXT on an absolute high and he went out to one of the best. And the promo package for these guys was just as amazing too because they talked about how their paths were were so parallel and they both had success in Japan and in Europe. Like, it, it This was a really, really well hyped up match. And it, you know, it started off slow at first, you know, a lot of ground based moves, but when they started, you know, going to the outside, you know, they did the Hesitation drop kick through the barricade and they did all those high flying spots. It was, it, that's when it really started to pick up and the near falls by the end as well. Holy crap, like even though you knew, sort of knew the result when watching it back, the tension and the drama was still there and that's what really made this,
1: I, I would say this was match of the night. This was a very well paced match, but Sarah also had some really good spots. Do you remember any specifically from this match that you thought added to the wow factor or the rewatchability of it?
3: I mean, like they've said, the, the running drop kick uh, that Finn done mm. to Neville when he was against the like against the guardrail, like that again, big money move. Especially with two people that have that particular style. I mean, yeah. for me, this is my kind of match because um, I like the fast play, fast paced, high flying, like flippy stuff. Um, but like Neville doing like yep. his, phoenix, his phoenix splash off the middle rope of all places. Was
1: just like yes. mwah, chef kisses. Mwah. That was yeah. so
3: beautiful. <laughs>
1: totally. I, I also loved that there was a, a point where Balor goes for a move from the apron into the ring, like a diving move, mm-hmm. and before he can do it, Neville, I think he drop kicks him eh, mm-hmm. like halfway through it. It worked. Insanely good, I loved it. Um, but Scott, I need to ask about Neville and focus on Adrian Neville at this point. Uh, also, obviously nowadays he's known as the Bastard Pack, uh, which a name I just love saying because it just rolls off the tongue. The Bastard Pack, <laughs> uh, but um, like he has to be given credit for. He might not have been their NXT's most, you know, successful period, but he really built that brand up at the time where it was finally getting some attention from the, the, the sort of wider wrestling community.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talk about transitions. This is basically like the guy who was the longest reigning champion going back against the guy who would then go on to carry NXT for a year and be and mm-hmm. break that record for being the longest reigning champion. Who, ironically, as we're sitting here, twenty twenty one. Is currently back in NXT once again. Uh, the yeah. NBA, it's, it's funny how they both end up. Like, thinking about, I just think of him as Pac now and um, imagine him as he is in AEW. See him here, not as jacked as he is now, cleanly shaven, and he's got two names. He's not just a one name, he's got a first name.
1: <laughs> yeah, he has two names now. First name, the bastard, second name, Pac. <laughs> uh,
2: well, and <laughs> everything. He- he's a Sunday name.
3: You know what I really like about about the fact that like this was a sort of goodbye match. Like later on in the year, he tag teams with Stephen Amell at SummerSlam.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. It, it just goes to show the difference, you know, between where he is now as Pac and where he was as in NXT as as Neville. Like, because in NXT, you know, he had. I think in NXT, you know, he was a lot more. A lot more down to earth, you know. He was a much this very much this high flyer from Newcastle, and he was longest reigning NXT champion for a reason. But he was very, very watered down when he was moved to to Monday Night Raw. Like they gave him the whole superhero s gimmick, the man that gravity forgot, and it was just really, really cheesy and almost too kid friendly. Whereas in NXT, you know, he appealed to that wider audience. And but so I'm just glad, you know, he's embraced this sort of darker side as pack and it's. He just look Manu looks just angry all the time and he's he carries that in the ring, you know, his his style is is angry. And he looks like he just bark the shit I, out of yeah. you.
3: Just remember when he became the king like of the cruiserweights.
0: Oh, that was his best time in in WWE. Like and the fact he was he never got that true main roster pushes that heel. It, it was an injustice. And it's no surprise he, he walked out.
1: And the thing was, like, I would have liked to have seen him get that heel run in NXT, um, because I think his style suits it, like even he, he was forced into the role of de facto heel here, because the fans were always going to cheer Balor as the, the, the hot ticket on the scene, uh, so that's why you see Neville's the one to slow the pace in the early doors, the one to perhaps the more vicious moveset at times, mm. and I think they should have leaned into that, that would have been interesting for me to see. Scott, did you have anything to add?
2: Yeah, well I'll add on to that then like yeah, he, he kinda of was playing the tweener because like not long before that's when he had the feud with Sammy, he they had him playing the de facto heel and that because saying yeah. Sammy, you can't win mm. the big one and all that. And so like you feel like the first half of like, it, he's really grounding Valor when the commentators say like they both got top rope moves. It's basically a race who hits it first and he's yeah. hitting his like Finn gets his like knees up and then Finn is managed to hit the coup later on. Uh, mm. but, I think with Neville, I, I think he wish was a grip man that gravity forgot N and, and the main roster just took with what they thought that meant and I kinda like these entrance well, I mean Roster I like people having their own specialty entrance and uh I remember when I, I think he was on the superstars that was say before the Raw in Glasgow. But even though I was way up at the back, I forgot that he had Pyro as part of his entrance and I've not been uh, to a wrestling mm-hmm. show where there's been Pyro so when his pyro went off I just a bit
0: shut myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was there too as well. Like me and Stacy were just a couple of seats away, and he was him versus Titus O'Neil was the first match of the night. Nice, oh, yeah. nice. but yeah. But, yeah uh, my my last thought on this match was, um, you know, Balor's still in NXT right now, and if and Pax currently on EEW, see if they ever did an interpromotional thing. Can you imagine how good it would be to have? the Prince Balor versus the Bastard Pack a rematch from six yeah. years ago like oi oi oi
1: I would love to see that
2: you watch this match I forgot like, that it was the, the demon in this match because like, it was still a very much an occasional thing in the next few years you realise that I'm pretty sure like, you yeah, know, match with Andrade in Saudi Arabia in 2019 I think that's the last time he was the demon so mm-hmm. like, what he went from like the demon out a bit too often to now, it feels like forever since we've, we've seen the demon.
1: But I think that they played to the strengths of that. Because to me, the demon shouldn't be a character. I like the presentation of it here. What they said was, oh, he's a man with face pain. And they acknowledge it's just face pain but they said for Balor, it helps him channel a darker side to rise up to harder challenges. Sarah, did you enjoy that more than the sort of mythical thing that the demon became later on in his career?
3: I hated the demon character when it got to, like, main roster Summerslam when, like, he he brought it out, yes, for for Seth Rollins. Yeah, that made sense. Uh, And bringing it out for, like, the takeovers, I mean, especially because he themed it. Like I remember specifically mm. when they did take over London and he, he summoned Jack the Ripper mm. and like that was yeah. incredible, like and you it mm. had a story to it. It's Like yeah, he only brings it out, which is why it was the big pay for use because those were the big matches. Mm. Like it wasn't just mm. willy nilly. Um, so when they started doing like the whole demon character, yeah, they ch- they started the wee story with Seth Rollins obviously because it was four the Universal Championship, that was a big money match, especially because it was two former NXT mm-hmm. champions who were the, one of the more dominant ones. Um, but once it got towards the end and you're just like, hey, stop it! But that was literally me. Too. Yeah, it's like, a
1: shame. I mean, yeah, Scott, you were the one that brought it up it hasn't been seen in a while. Do you think the demon would fit again with this version of Balor we've seen in NXT, the Prince? I think it would fit
2: this version. Because I think he's trying to play uh, as a heel, mm. but I don't think they really leaned into like, the differences between like Finn when he's just wearing face paint and when he's just Im- himself. So mm. I, think, I don't think it'll happen while he's if he decides to go back up to the main roster. Even then, I still think it needs to be a certain. It needs to be like a decent like feud, feel like an actual blood feud. Mm. Even then, like you need to be careful how you present it because it just fell into the trap on the main roster of uh, oh Finn Balor's not good enough to beat this guy on his own, so he needs to slather himself in paint and
1: Somehow that makes him invincible, yeah. And you know, it's interesting we talked about Finn Balor. This was his first run in NXT, he would go on to win the NXT championship, have a good run there. He's now back in NXT, he's won the NXT title. We assume he's going to drop it to Cross. Um, <laughs> I think is what's the, the prediction on everyone's uh books for 2021 bingo. Um, is that he will eventually meet Carrying Cross and be decimated by Carrying Cross, uh, to tell you the truth. but. Dave, the question I have for you is, with reference to present-day Bauer, is he a man you want to see go back up to the main roster? Uh, that's difficult to say
0: because I think he's actually found his rhythm finally in NXT as this sort of cool heel, not necessarily a mega heel, but more of like a, a cool tweener leaning towards heel. If he went back to Raw or SmackDown, I think he would probably be forced to bring out the demon again at some point because it appeals to that that younger audience again uh, but if he wants to be successful again at raw smackdown i think he needs to bring the prince gimmick uh up to to raw smackdown and just let him do his business in the ring
1: i wouldn't mind seeing the prince be the one to eventually take the universal title from roman reigns I think there's a story there. I think he's cool enough to do it. I think he's bad enough, badass enough to do it. I think he's credible enough to do it. And don't forget who Bauer beat uh, in his first night on Raw to qualify to be the first person mm-hmm. to hold the Universal Title—a title he never got back. It was Roman Reigns. Uh, so WWE hire me as your writer. But anyway, we're going on to <laughs> the next, the next match in this, in this pay per view. And it's, it's it, say that,
3: tell us what this match is, please. It is. A four way match for the NXT Women's Championship, but it features all the four horsewomen.
1: Yay! And there's a word, there is a word that might sum up such an occasion. What would that word be? Historic. It's historic. It is clearly a historic <laughs> encounter between four women who defined this era of NXT. It was the champion Charlotte against the boss Sasha Banks, uh, aka Oscar Reeves, uh, versus Bailey, uh, aka Karen, uh, versus <laughs> Becky Lynch, aka, <laughs> aka Mom. Uh, so, <laughs> Scott, I think, thank you for that laugh, Dave. I appreciate it. You know, comedy is always best when it's received well. Uh, really Dave, like <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Scott. (laughs) Scott, I need to come to you first, it's amazing looking back at these women, even when they had the sort of segments throughout the night, showing them in the backstage warming up and stuff like that, it was amazing seeing where they were at this point in their careers and how far they've grown since then,
2: you know? Definitely. It's interesting to see, they're all at various points in their career, you know, I think Charlotte and Sasha are the more complete package at the minute, Bailey's just a few months away from that big breakout. and. in Brooklyn, whereas Becky feels the most different from uh, what she would go on to be. Like the commentators even ask, why is Becky in this match? Because out of the four, she's not really been in the title picture as often. She's kind of just been uh, the uh, uneven ally, ally to Sasha. But I remember walking at this match and thinking, like, mm. it's been six years. How has this match never happened on the main roster? You know, you had the triple threat at May uh, 32. You had three out of the four of them in a four-way, but you had to put nia jackson there with them but was also given the fact what was going on in the main roster where they give you the chance thing is about kickoff and meanwhile in NXT you've got matchless i'm pretty sure we had this match representing this takeover and our greatest takeover matches show and watching them mm. it's easy to see why this match stood out what the risk is for me this is match of the night
1: yeah and dave i think it's safe to say that if this match were to happen today um, it would still be as good because the quality is great in this match, but it would feel like a much bigger deal because say what you will, I, I don't care about you internet marks out there who are like, oh, the four homeless men's to you. you. can't look past any other female wrestler. Go fuck yourself. Seriously, these four women have been the biggest female stars in the wrestling industry uh, from the moment they stepped foot in WWE. And I'll challenge anyone who tells me any different. These four could main event WrestleMania together and probably should. Would you agree? Absolutely. Like,
3: they probably will at one point.
0: Yeah, and I hope yeah. they do. Like you know, they've even been teased the team against the the four horsewomen of UFC. But you know, I think that's just a pipe yeah. dream at this stage. That's
3: uh, not there for me.
0: But yeah, <laughs> uh, these four. There is no reason why these four women should not be you know at least considered for you know a main event match at WrestleMania. Two of them have already done it. Like Sasha and Bailey could easily do it, but you know WWE just seems a bit hesitant to actually just pull the trigger and go with it. Uh, but you know, if if the four of them were to go and were to repeat this match like here today, it would be a much, much bigger deal because at this point in NXT, you know, I think a lot of, all four of them were still sort of, you know, NXT was still considered the developmental stage, and I think they they had all just found their. Fit.
1: They were still the fetuses. They were the
0: fetuses of the characters they're going to become. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, so it's like, um, you know, you're starting off with your Pokemon. You know, if, on your Pokemon journey. This is like, <laughs> this
3: is, this is <laughs> their starter
0: Pokemon. Like, this what, your... So
1: which which starter Pokemon is each of the four host women? We right. need shouts here, guys. Okay, need well first here,
0: Becky Lynch is Charmander because she's straight fire.
1: Okay, uh, okay, that's a good shout. I'll accept that. Uh. Bailey, Bailey's Bailey's not sorry, yeah, because she's got the streamers, yeah. Okay, okay, Uh, and she does. I'm not going to say she resembles Ivysaur these days, but um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) no. What what I mean is, this is like um, the this is like starter level, and if they were to have this, it'd be like final evolution. Like this is where they all. Like, they're at their best. They've all found success as single stars. And now this is them at their absolute peak. And it could easily deliver to be a, like, a WrestleMania main event caliber match.
1: Yeah, I'd also say that uh, Sasha Banks is clearly Torchic. And... Um, Torchic? Uh, yeah, and Charlotte is Piplup. Uh, so that's what I would say yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> that's So that's your Pokemon no, reference no, you for know the who day. Sh-
3: You know who Charlotte is? Charlotte, at this stage, is Litton and then her final evolutionary stage is the big wrestling cat.
1: No, the wrestling cat. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that should have I been her
3: nickname. <laughs> oh, Dan, uh, it's going to annoy me because. Hold on two secs. Dan, what's the name of Torchic's evolutionary stage? Wait, no. Not Torchic's, Littens.
1: Uh,
3: Incineroar. Incineroar, there you go. It's a, it's a big wreck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Right, we're all about equality in this podcast, so now we, now of course we need to name what did you want with each of the four for me to uh, which, like- which Lion King two character? Uh, each, of, <laughs> <laughs> each of the four horsewomen. Um, uh, to get into the action itself, uh, Sarah, I really enjoy strategy in Fatal Four Ways like this when you clearly have two heels who are going to be working together. Cast my oh, mind yeah. back, back. Backlash 2007, we've seen the likes of rated RKO team up in that match against Michaels and Cena in the fatal four way. Um, you, you know, it works really well for a dynamic, and Sasha and Becky played that role well here for the early stages of the match, mm-hmm. didn't they?
3: Yeah, I think that it did work out, considering that they were obviously in cahoots with each other beforehand as well, um, with, you know, Becky being trying to heal for some mm. unknown reason because um, <laughs> they needed another heal. Oh my god. <laughs> but that's just because like obviously Charlotte was like the baby she wasn't even like a baby face. I would say she was more just like a, a neutral in any way. She wasn't even a tweener, she was just neutral. And obviously yeah. Bailey, the over the top baby face that we never thought would go away. Mm-hmm. Um until you know Karen happened.
4: <laughs>
3: but yeah, no it you're always gonna get it, especially when there is at least two heels in the match, they're always going to team up, and then they're going to try and backstab one another.
1: Yeah, yeah, which it happened quickly. Well, Cody Graves clearly thought it, and he, he, couldn't, he couldn't wait to, to show how smart he was. What alliance are you talking about, Albert? Uh, about <laughs> Albert cl- <laughs> Albert's like, they're clearly working together, and he's like, ah, they're not in alliance. See, Albert? See, I told you, and Albert's like, but the where is Shut up, Albert.
3: God, it's not it's like the he's got a the match in front of him and, and say uh, what to say.
0: And as soon as the alliance is over, Becky does that amazing back suplex, which just sends Sasha flat like literally flying. I think it was one of the
1: best bots of the entire match. Dave's uh, just- bullied Albert throughout the show. I just want to make that clear. He <laughs> <laughs> bullied Albert in commentary
3: Yeah, well, see, it works for Byron Saxton because Byron Saxton is a lot of pussy. Yeah, but at least
1: but, but I, right, I, I wanted to Take this opportunity to defend Byron Saxton because I honestly believe that he's a very good commentator and oh, he no, he's knows good. He's just his a role person. he, he knows his himself. role against nobody. he does like see the things he, the difference between Albert here and Byron is Albert didn't have a response to Graves the things Biden said. Well, he might have said it in a little pussy whiny voice, like you're saying. At least they made logical sense. You know what I mean? He'd always have a comeback, and I'll never forget Biden at Kofi Mania, getting so excited when Kofi qualified, and he storms down to the ring with the, rest of the roster, and he's so he's so smiling, he's dying in his hands at Kofi Mania. and I, I love Biden. I, I genuinely, <laughs> we're not here. It, we stand by it in this podcast from now on. I'm here, no hate, whether I'm on the show or not. No one is slagging Biden off. Scott, back to the wrestling. Uh, but <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, there were, were some There was memorable pieces of action in this match. Did you have any uh, noteworthy moments that caught your attention?
2: All back to the fact that Bailey tightens her hairband, her ponytail, right before she does an elbow in the corner because the ponytail is the source of all her power.
1: <laughs> She's like Solomon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just found myself singing in this match, I think we've mentioned like, this period of the NXT Women's Division in past and I mentioned this to me once or twice, that how Bailey was there, when Everybody else went up because I like, think she had to kind of be the more established person over some people who weren't quite ready yet, mm-hmm. and uh, like Carmela, Alexa Bliss, Naya Jax, who you should say still isn't ready,
1: so, <laughs> it's never been ready. They sent Keith Lee back to the performance center, but thought, Naya, you're fine, you
2: know, <laughs> the, the cake you've had in the oven for almost an hour, but somehow it's still raw in the middle. What have I done wrong here? <laughs> <laughs> like, just <laughs> cards, but I don't care if the cakes are related to the rock. But I'm looking like Becky did have a hard time when she got to the main roster as well. Like because have Paige blatantly saying to her, you, "You're the least relevant of all of us." Mm-hmm. And I really think Becky should have stayed mm-hmm. as well, not to feed, not to feed with uh, Bailey, but it also help some of the up and coming uh, people. And I think actually, if you held off a couple months on Asuka winning the title and have Asuka beat Becky before getting to Bailey if you ever beat two of the four horsewomen on her way to the title because Asuka was the most ready out of anybody to take the title from Bayley. And mm. it would have been, a new year. Like, it's no longer the four horsewomen era of NXT. It's Asuka's era of NXT. Yeah,
1: and Dave, you had something to add there? Yeah, it was just, uh, it
0: just it's weird to look at Becky Lynch from this match and where she is now. I think she has had the most growth out mm. of all the four women involved. Like Charlotte, you know, she's been the absolute best wrestler like since since she joined NXT and she still carries that legacy to this day. Sasha Banks, excellent character as the boss, and she's obviously maintained that. I think the only thing that's changed about her is her hair color. Uh, Bailey obviously went from, you know, lovable child to rebellious teenager, uh, but Becky definitely went through the most change. You know, she had, you know, the traditional wrestling ring gear on first, then she dyes her hair orange and starts dressing like a really weird train driver. And then, uh, you know, nowadays we recognize her as, as the man. <laughs> so, uh, and it's, it's really great, you know, to see that she's actually put herself as arguably the most
1: talked about of the four of them now, except, mm. except maybe with Charlotte as a close second. I think, I think she is, I think if you were to do this four-way Now, what's good about this four-way Nowadays, if they were to do it Is that all four of them now feel like They're on an equal playing field You know, that wasn't even the case maybe one or two years ago Because Sasha and Bailey had some Dips in form, but now after You know, how good they've been Like, Sasha's a breakout mainstream star Because of the Mandalorian Coscar Reeves, hashtag Coscar Reeves everybody You know, she had a DDT in Boba Fett Not many know. WWE superstars can say that A Tornado DDT on Boba Fett. On Boba Fett. Exactly. Exactly. Bailey, you know, she's had the Summer of Karen. Uh, as we've alluded to, uh, you know. Like she, is, she is definitely, you know, now a force to be reckoned with and probably, the, I'd argue, the best heel out of all four of them. Uh, Charlotte, like you said, great wrestler, fantastic technical wrestler. Um, at time of recording, her dad has been a creep and she's telling him off, so that's possibly the biggest babyface she's been uh, <laughs> in, her, in her entire run of the company. And then, of course, Becky, you know, relinquished the title year-long plus run with the Raw Women's Championship first women to win in the main event of Wrestlemania they feel like it's emotional to say because we've done the show on them before but even at the time we did the show like I said it was hard to say that what they were all legends in their own right at this point they feel like legends at this point they feel equal with the wrestlers that we've talked about they inspired them they feel on the same par as Trish they feel on the same page as Lita they feel on the same page as like a Sherry Martel and Ivory you know, these trailblazers of the world. I guess I'll mention Ivory to the cows. Come on, I love Ivory. But they, they, they feel they feel just as big a deal, if not bigger, because these women, like I said, they've elevated this company. They've changed this company. And when you look at this fatal four way match, this was this was the one that made people take notice. You can talk about where the revolution started and all that, Paige and Emma and what they were doing before, but You'd be lying if you said it wasn't this four way that was the true turning point because three of these four women were the three women that got called up to supposedly change the brand. And when the three got called up, people said, where's Bailey because she was the fourth because of what happened here. You know, in this match, this is a piece of history we watched, not just a wrestling match. This was a moment in time that had to be captured. And uh, there were some good spots I wanted to run through. Bailey to Bailey from the top rope uh, with the near fall on Charlotte was a, a fucking phenomenal moment. Uh, I thought Sasha had won at that point. The bank statement, Charlotte refusing to tap out, and then Sasha getting the win for Crucifix Pen, I thought was a really smart way to protect Charlotte. But also, what was important about that was that Sasha pinned the champion. Mm. There was none of this bollocks that happened with Charlotte's recent NXT title run, where Charlotte was not the one to get pinned to lose it. She put Sasha over and it was the right thing to do. Um, okay. What I would ask you... And oh, sorry, Scott. Yeah,
2: can I just raise a point? I noticed that when Charlotte had it on her shoulder, we were just talked about how crap this version of the women's title looks compared to the one we've got oh. now. Mm. It's bloody tiny. Mm-hmm. It's a massive yeah. yeah. red. I should be like, Charlotte is like the tallest woman they have on the roster at the minute <laughs> like she's she just comes in with this toy title
3: toy aye, uh, toy championship you
2: know that off your knees Charlotte, like is that the <laughs> actual belt
1: like, uh, yeah I think it, well, at least at least it's bigger than the AEW women's title What annoyed me was the references to divas within this match and um, mm-hmm. the consummation divas divas and then it's like the women's championship and I'm like clearly Triple H is trying to do one thing but WWE are telling them another you know and there's still that dichotomy there and restrictions of that also the pre-match graphic when they bring up the women's title and they have the mad yeah. like sprinkly mm-hmm. noise did you hear that did you catch yeah. on to that yeah, that was fucking annoying. But apart from that, having said that, you know, I have got into a oh, what have the Romans ever done for us situation. This was still a, a very great match, you <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> the game was the game was Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, Becky, Figure Eights, you know, the lot it was it was phenomenal. But we do need to get into talking about the night's main event. And I'll start with Sarah for this one. Seda, there was not a better pre match video package in the night than there was for Kevin Wins versus Sami Zayn. This one got me hyped for a match that happened six years ago.
3: I know. I mean, you can It It was really, really good. I mean, I remember sitting watching it and I'm just like, oh dang, oh dang. Because I, at the time of watching, um, was familiar like I knew Sammy's End was El Generico. I wasn't too familiar with um Kevin Owens as Kevin mm-hmm. Steen. And I knew that they'd obviously been like best pals and everything. Like they they really played into that on Kevin Owens' first night and then obviously when he, you know nearly enough killed Sammy after he finally mm-hmm. won the title.
1: A great um, moment by the way and oh, I, yeah. I, I have to be honest if I was Kevin Owens and it wasn't Fab, I've done the same thing um, but carry on saying <laughs> <laughs> that.
3: Yeah um, so again it was actually such a good video package I mean two pals have like travelled all the way through like the scene together and this also does play to the fact that like Ke- Sami Zayn was supposed to be that guy to represent NXT on the main roster, but obviously the stuff happened in his match with John Cena didn't really go well. Um, So, who would be the next person to sort of do that? And it's Kevin Owens just, you knew he was going to be a star from the beginning just from that one match that he had with CJ Parker, a.k.a. um, Juice Robinson. Yep. So, and then, just obviously, he comes down to the ring, happy with his friend, walks up, that boom, just like, "I'm here for this." Mm. And you're you're just like, "Oh damn,
1: oh damn." <laughs> <laughs> and in Scott uh, leading on from that, I do have to love the presentation of Owens in this package because it was apparently. Uh, the late great Dusty Rhodes who encouraged him to go with this character like he he says during this promo he's like um, Sammy doesn't have to worry about anyone but himself you know if I get this title it means more money for me more money for my family he's a heel with these very real motivations and talk about villains in any form of storytelling the best villains are the ones who you can understand why they're doing what they're doing in this era of uh, Kevin Owens when they really Tapped into that prize fighter mentality. This was the best, purest Owens for me as a character, wasn't it?
2: Uh, before there was a Tommaso Ciampa, the, the Thanos of, of NXT was Kevin Owens, you know? Because I yeah. think what made it more heartbreaking is if we went to pick Sam up for the final power and just whispered, I am inevitable. <laughs> 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 uh. That's how they, they present this package, like, almost like he, in his mind, Sammy destroyed their friendship first because, like, it was maybe urging we would come to debate together. They called mm-hmm. you and they didn't call me, and like, I've got this family to think about. And like, I remember I knew about their feud as Kevin Dean and El Generico, and Ring of Honor, and places like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew I was hopeful when they came together at that moment at the end of our listening. Oh, maybe down the line they'll build to it and build to it, and then oh, okay, they're doing it right away, uh, which I wasn't complaining about. <laughs> uh, I was just yeah. surprised and. Yeah, like, he said that I fight for a prize, and like Sammy Dean refused to fight anyone else except Kevin Owens, so Kevin Owens said, like, well, we're going to fight, I fight for a prize, put the belt on the line, so he basically got Sammy Dean to the point where he basically manipulated him from the beginning, and yeah. like gone to put the title on the line, got him where he wanted him, and I don't think anybody's said as dominant in the first few months in NXT history
1: other than Kevin Owens. Nah, definitely not. And Dave, you do have to love the way Regal played his part and the build to this match. Obviously, didn't want to give Owens the title shot. He, his hand was forced by both us, Zayn and Owens. And you see that in the shots of the two of them earlier in the night. Regal's sitting by Kevin Owens and he's very stern and he's looking at him like I really want to fight you right now like I I would really like to get my brass knucks out and just conk you over the head son and then with Sammy he's in there and he's very much more sympathetic it's almost how I imagine Vince is when he's in a room uh, with Triple H compared to Shane Uh, but like what did you... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it just goes to show how how great a performer William Regal truly is. Yeah, those backstage
0: promos, I think, really added to it. And the referee that was refereeing the match was there with it too, so that he knew exactly what was going on. Like, it's just mm-hmm. those little fine details that NXT always... It always knows exactly how to pin... A main event together, just by analyzing every little detail. Like having the ref there, I think was an excellent addition. And you know, the the build up to it was like, you know, Sammy Zayn flat out refuses to fight anybody except Kevin Owens, and then Kevin Owens take this, takes this takes us to his advantage. You know, being the the sneaky conniving heel that he is, and it actually goes on record. I think two months since that happened was when between Sammy winning it and then Kevin winning this match. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's the the fastest ascent to the NXT Championship since probably crowning the inaugural champion. But it was, um, it, it just and it just goes to show, like you know, Kevin Owens was feuding with John Cena later that year as well as because it was supposed to be Sami Zayn, and as a result, I think Kevin Owens is probably one of the shortest tenured veterans on NXT. Like he was built, his character especially was built for primetime tv such as raw or smackdown whereas mm. in nxt you know he would fit just as well in there because he had the wrestling ability to do it the guy is a the guy's a chameleon when it comes to you know playing a character and doing a performance in the ring but just i think it's a real shame as well that vince looks at him and you think oh he's uh he's a little bit rotund uh so it's, uh, <laughs> it's i think something as superficial as that it, 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 it's what really is held Owens back when he never should have been held back at all. I think he should
1: have just mm. let to run rampant. Yeah, you're talking about the fastest ascent to NXT title. From what I can see, that is true. The only thing that I would maybe compare it to is it was three months between carrying crosses and ring debut to the point that he won the NXT championship. it's still Kevin Owens was uh, was a, a faster approach than that. Another thing I loved about this match was um, they really knew how to build the main event with the sort of pulsing. Sound in the arena, and it showed you the guys backstage before their entrance music hit, and gave it that big fight sort of boxing Goldberg almost feel, uh, maybe <laughs> remnant of Grado uh, as well. <laughs> Scott, what did you think?
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed like because I also associate that with, like the music they play when like they lower like the hell in a cell, back yeah. in the and everything. And also, well, we've one, about the commentary, the commentary did the smartest thing when they had the they were where everyone walked through the back and walked down the ring, and then when Simon Zane came out. They didn't. The commentator didn't speak until oh. after the ringing announcement was done and the referee tells at the bell. They gave it a big deal. They knew when to shut the hell up for once.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good. I, I, I suppose they'd have to shut you know, Cody makes mic off at that point. You know, he's probably saying, why is Sami Zayn not taking advantage of this opportunity? You know, why is he? <laughs> You know, he actually taking so long to get to the shut up, Graves. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, uh, the start of this match, it wasn't you know it wasn't exactly the most exhilarating uh, start. You know, you had Kevin Owens trying to avoid Sami Zayn, you know, playing chicken shit heel, Zayn gets a dive in, but for a large portion in the beginning of this match, it's all Owens just uh, sort of grounding and pounding and weighing down Sami Zayn. A uh, smart strategy to have your heel do that, uh, especially in sort of a rivalry this sort of better
3: yeah I think um, see they always like made a build up it's because they knew each other so like Owens would know how to wear Sammy down like know how to get in his head and th- all they had to do was just play mind games which that's all that really happened it was mind games until you know couldn't really take anymore and then they're like right we'll, we'll finally get into this um, but like for I would say for like a 20 odd minute match main event you're like yeah hell yeah mm-hmm. and it was also the fact that they both managed to hit their finishers as well like a lot of people was like oh blue thunderbomb, bomb it's it's that's it it's done um and no one's just just like nah 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 i know this move i know mm-hmm. them. It's it's like that's how you just you just knew that it was going to be a good match i mean two opposite styles as well but people who gelled and knew each other so you could, you kind of feel like they were maybe given a lot bit more control over this match because they were familiar with each other, mm. and they probably didn't need to do the, you know, the WWE style of getting a producer for the match.
1: Yeah, I think the thing was, you know, they had such a contrast in styles. And Dave, there's no denying at this point that Sami Zayn is. Uh, the ultimate babyface of the NXT brand at this point. But, you know, it does have to be said, and I do question whether Sammy got enough offense in in this match. Like, I know the objective was to put Kevin Owens over, but did it make Zayn look too weak in the process, do we think? See, I actually think that's partly true, because I do
0: recall at one point on commentary, uh, I can't remember who said it exactly, but one of them said, this is giving me vibes of Brock Lesnar versus John Cena at SummerSlam. Yeah, it's Graves. Dave have said that, that yeah that. yeah like Kit owens was purely the one on offense for about the first 15 minutes of the match or so and he got some mega mega good bumps in the corner like sammy was selling them like you know Dolph ziggler sells moves it was yeah easy. it looked so so damaging and so devastating to be sat, see Sammy like being thrown about from literally from pillar to post. He was battered on the outside, and it was only a, a, that last minute flurry again. It looked like he was turning the tide. He was able to hit the blue thunder bomb. He just misses the haluva kick, but then it, it sort of got to a point. I think Sammy just was sort of he just ran out of stamina, and Owens was able to just capitalize and just beat him down to the point of a referee stoppage. Which I, I think that's the only time we've seen a referee stoppage in this match that wasn't like kayfabe referee stoppage or sorry sorry, legit ref ref stoppage
1: and that's the thing scott like the end of this match with owens hitting constant power bombs and and rabidly you know punching Zane through the ropes as the ref and the trainers tried to see to him it did make owens look like a a dangerous competitor which was something we really did need to see from him
2: yeah and like the one of the first spots in the match that we actually started being is that Sammy gets dropped like chin first across the the top turnbuckle, and that's why Owens isn't getting to work on because Sam's kept been not silly. And mm-hmm. then he's further going back after the head, and honestly, we know concussions now are a big thing, so they played into real issues here and it made it quite uncomfortable to watch. and I think that was the intent behind the way mm-hmm. that they did this. And even then, when they did the, the way it did, I think it was, was the most neat thing because, like, uh, for Sammy's character, he's somebody who's not going to give up. But Kevin Owens mm-hmm. also isn't going to stop until he gets the title, so it's, yeah. really, it's the only thing the ref could do in that situation. And even when like, the ref did call for Bill, he did have a few bullshit chants, but I think overall people kind of got what they were going for, and yeah. established just how much of a bastard Kevin Owens truly was, kind of the idea of, like, look what he did to get the title, and this was his best friend, so what's he going to do against like like the Finn Balor who's now the number one contender?
1: And you look at what Owens did after this, no one has elevated the NXT title more than Owens. When he went up to Raw and challenged Cena and beat Cena and held the NXT title up high proudly while standing on the US belt, you know, that was a symbol, that was significant, that showed, you know, this ain't no mid-card title, you know, this is the top belt in our brand and we wear it with pride and I think Owens was the man I in my opinion more than anyone who helped elevate NXT to that next spot to that next level and that's why I say, you know at the beginning this is a transitional show you look at how many of these guys and where they've moved on to Kenta you know t- to big star New Japan Tyler Breeze you know veteran in NXT Baron Corbin still hitting up in the main roster Murphy wasn't a big program with the Mysterios don't know what's happening now so I wouldn't comment any further Balor champion in NXT uh, the Bastard Pack the best name in wrestling uh, the four horsewomen still absolutely Kicking names and taking ass, and then Owens and Zayn, you know, are still doing their respective thing. Owens, uh, time of recording, will have just had a, a huge world title match of the Rumble, uh, and Sami Zayn is still doing his best Michael Moore impression. Uh, but I ask you this: um, <laughs> I will ask you this um, before we end here. What, obviously, I don't want. You know, I don't like Dave Meltzer. No, I don't like Dave Meltzer. <laughs> give this pay-per-view a star rating out of 5 for me. Mm. And we're going to go in reverse order, I'm going to start with Dave this time. Uh, I think because the first half was
0: pretty poor, but the second half more than made up for it with three excellent matches, I'm going to give it a respectable 3.75.
1: Okay, 3.75. I nearly, I nearly said
0: 4, but no, I think the first half was too much of a letdown.
1: Okay, Scott, what would you say?
2: I like the last uh, three matches as well. The first match I didn't mind as much. I just wish it went a bit longer and had more of a purpose for, for being. But and mm-hmm. the, in the middle, Eden, the tag match could have been something special, but this botch just kinda let it down. Uh I think a three point seven five like Dave said, yeah, on the on the big dick Dave Meltzer still <laughs> uh yeah, three point seven five I think is respectable, It could have been four Four and a quarter. If the tag match had l- had
3: less punches, hmm. okay, Sarah. Uh, I would probably say three and a half. It would probably be a three point seven five if they got rid of the Baron Corbin build MC match that you know was pointless. But it turns out oh. it wasn't. It wasn't the most pointless. Of match They faced each other in the first round of that actual competition, but it was still pointless.
1: I'm going to say 3.75 as well because I'm ever the optimist, you know. I like to err on the side of things that are good, and I think you have three very strong matches that let up uh, a disappointing start to the card. So, but what do you guys think? Uh, hit us up on Bebo and let us know uh, whether you agree or disagree with our views here today. Uh, we'll, put, as we, yeah,
3: we'll put you in our top sixteen. <laughs>
1: we will put you in our top sixteen. Yeah, that is what <laughs> that is the thing we'll do. Uh, we, we will do that, um, but. Uh, we'll round off. Dave, thank you for being here. Who's the best X Factor winner of all time? Leona Lewis. Okay, Sarah, thank you for being here. Who's the best X Factor winner of all time? Little Mix. Scott, thank you for being here. Who's the best Little uh, the best member of Little Mix?
2: <laughs> one who failed to do a Jamaican accent at one time. I got turned to a meme. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh.
1: so thank you so much for joining us here <laughs> in the our feature. Uh, I've been David Campbell. I'll be your Huckleberry. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.
2: I am Jack Graham I am Scott McLeod
0: and I'm David Hockney
2: and you can catch us most in one of the greatest shows in the history of podcasts Saturday Draft Live you can share in every Saturday to find out who on the ESSR has the best chance of winning the current season of our Saturday Draft as always you can catch Saturday Draft
0: Live on all good podcasting platforms